The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. How are you, sir? This is Pierre. Oh. I can't believe I'm talking to you, Dr. Ray the Great. Oh, I don't know about that. I love listening to you. You have a personality just like my father. I don't think you should feel helpless. You are helpless. Doctor, I really appreciate that. That makes me feel a lot better. You be at peace, or else I'm going to yell at you. Trying to find a reason to speak to you. I think you're the best thing since plays bread. That Ray, he's something. Thank you so much for what you're doing for all the parents out there. They don't know what I can possibly do. I don't either. I'm getting my money worth, I think, with this phone call. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. If I sound a little more energetic today, yesterday, <clears throat> I get a little bored with the routine, and my wife said, let's get a happy hour. Find a happy hour. She was right. She was absolutely right. So I found the couch and took a nap from three to four. Pretty happy hour. Nice to have you. This is Dr. Ray Grandy program. Doctor is in. One o'clock Eastern Time. Of course, you know that because wherever you are, you probably can translate that to Eastern Time. Numbers, the same. Always been the same. 877-573. This is in case you're writing it down. 7825-877-57 equal number to call to get on to the program. And you will go through Eric Dumont, call screamer. And then if he gets preoccupied, we have a backup, my producer man, Andrew Kruchek, who flips the buttons and does all kinds of things over there in uh, Ann Arbor, Ave Maria Radio Communications, that uh, co-ops with the EWTN Radio Broadcasting Network. Isn't that incredible? Mother Angelica, 20-some years ago, said, okay, you want a radio station? I'll give you some programming. Very, very, very few radio stations could have started out themselves with all their own programming. She made it possible. Now they're pushing, I don't know, somewhere between four and 500 stations. Worldwide, anyway, domestically, 400 and some. Which means my listening audience is close to uh, about 190 now. 190. It's 10 times what it was when I first started. 877-57 equal is the number to call to get onto the program. A question about something in your life or suggestion to help somebody else. We always get those. We always get two or three of those programs. Somebody says, here's what we did. Here's what I thought. Here's an idea. A little more tricky when somebody says, here's a book, because I can't go running on ahead and recommending a book unless I know the book intimately. Or it's my own book. <clears throat> so you can do that. 877 Seven equal. Not unusual for people to preface a difficult situation within their family or with a friend, long-standing friend, by saying something like, we were so close. We always had such a tight relationship. Some variant of, 
we were, have been, for years usually, very tight. And then, either because the person knows how the conflict happened or they don't know, that relationship fractures. Sometimes it fractures so badly that there's no contact at all anymore. And even if one party tries to apologize or contact or makes multiple attempts at contacting, no response. So how does that dovetail with we were always tight? We always had such a close relationship. That was my best friend. How is there consistency between that and the fact that that relationship is now, at the very least, much cooler than it was, and at the very worst, it's gone? The only way to really explain that is that, and this is, this is kind of unsettling, the relationship really wasn't as close as you thought. It was close conditionally. As long as you didn't say or do something or some things that the other person, the other family member, found offensive or didn't like, you're okay. But make a remark or two or five or have an opinion about something, share that opinion, have a moral stance, religious beliefs. As long as you don't do that, you're probably okay. I have a friend whose daughter has written her off And the reason was, we have different political opinions. Yeah, that's it. Write your mom off for that. Mm -hmm. In fact, I've found that close relationships, they can weather stuff. At the very least, they can reconcile if you do something or say something or somebody's pulling away and and you try to find out what's going on and they'll tell you. And then you can apologize as needed. But it's the ones where they pretty much push you away and there isn't anything you can do to bring it back to the level you thought it was all that time. I know for me, if I have a relationship that breaks and I didn't do anything that was deliberately offensive or hurtful or anything. It just had certain religious moral beliefs. What is... What is the turning point? What's the breaking point? I have a friend I grew up with. We were close from when I was a kid. He's an atheist. But we're still very close, very close. He doesn't get upset with me because I believe what I believe. And I don't write him off because he approaches things a certain way. It's it's hard to essentially come to the conclusion 
all those years that I thought we had a warm, close relationship, it didn't take much to break it. Which means you didn't have a warm, close relationship. It may have felt it may have felt that way, and as long as you kept it at a certain level, you could extrapolate and you could say was pretty close. But looking back on it, you had to make sure that nothing happened in the relationship that could rattle it. Because if it did, you're not sure whether it could survive it. Unfortunately, that's happening a lot nowadays. There is a sense of, if you don't act as I wish you should act, if you don't think as I wish you should think, if you don't believe as I wish you should believe, I'm not sure that I really want to have any connection with you. There's a lot of that. Lady wrote me about her son deciding, of course, he didn't want to have anything to do with him. And I said something to the effect, I said, most of the time when I get these kind of, I don't understand why my adult child is doing this, almost all the time that adult child has left the church. It's much less common for somebody to declare themselves a Christian and then write their parents off or write a family member off or write a good friend off. Much less common. Much less common. Because you have permission to shun people, to push them aside, to hold resentments, if really you're not guided by the belief that there's a higher power and that higher power says this is the way you should live. If not, then do what you want as far as you see it. Close relationships, they're beautiful things. And close relationships withstand rocky periods or rocky times or supposed offenses. They withstand them. And if they don't, one might redefine the word close. 877 573 equal is the number to call. I would sure like to hear from you. And I know there's a whole bunch of you out there who thought, man, we had such a great relationship and it's gone. It's Dr. Ray. The destination for great Catholic audio programming is EWTN Podcast Central, featuring the best of EWTN radio, as well as faith-filled podcasts from our friends and affiliates across the nation, all in one place, all free. If it's central to the faith, you can find it on EWTN Podcast Central. It's like podcast heaven. Visit EWTN.com slash radio slash podcasts today. Underwritten in part by the following nonprofit. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things you don't believe in? There are options. You can join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based health sharing community. Plus, Solidarity HealthShare can save you money with prices starting as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 
844-398-9399. That's 844-398-9399. Underwritten in part by this not-for-profit. Are you looking for peace? Logging for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into a suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to lordteachmetopray.com and click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual fund. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. something this morning as I was getting ready to come into the show. It's now taking me twice as long to look half as good. I don't like that ratio. Nice to have you. Dr. Ray Garetti, program doctor is in. Let's go to a caller from California. She'd been in a marriage and a boy certainly sounds for her like a a pretty unhappy one. Hi, caller. Good morning, Dr. Ray. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. I, I've been in a marriage for over 20 years, and it's, it's been rocky from the start. So <laughs> uh, there, was, there was never any point, really, when it was like, oh, you know, this was, this was great at first. What happened? No, it was the other way for me. Uh, but I'm at my wit's end because I'm just... You know, thinking about the rest of my life and, and continuing like this, he doesn't think that there's anything wrong, so there's no chance that I can see that he's going to uh, do anything to work on his issues. I've been in counseling for 11 years, so I've been working on my issues, uh, but there's just, you know, no communication, no respect between us. We originally we're physically and verbally violent with each other we're no longer physically violent thanks thanks be to god but we were both previously married out of our faith before we got together and for the first 10 years of our marriage we were working on our annulment and finally got those thinking that that would help and it didn't and i just don't see I don't see any any improvement, and, and I feel so alone, too, because he had a son and didn't want any more children, and I went along with it, and now you I'm You have been have in counseling for 11 years? Yes. Childhood trauma. Hmm. You know, I can't say much, because you're seeing a professional. Okay. Okay. So that would be inappropriate for me to do that. Uh, from the church's perspective, um, 
you said from the very beginning you had reservations and questions. So I would wonder if, in fact, uh, there would be questions regarding the validity of this marriage. Apparently, your first one was not in a church? Correct. So why did it take so long for you to get a declaration of nullity? If it wasn't in a church, it would have sort of just been a slam dunk. You were Catholic, and you went outside the church's rubrics for marriage. Why did it take 10 years? Partly because... I had no witnesses, and it's really hard to get through the process without witnesses. Even if the marriage was not in a church, even if it was civil, even if it was totally uh, devoid of any kind of religious presence? Well, it was in a non-denominational church outside of my faith, but I don't Uh, know how that factors in. Okay. Ten years, ten years. Uh, well, and a lot of stubbornness and, and fear also factored in on my part. Well, it's fascinating that he doesn't think there's anything wrong. So you're miserable completely, and he's fine. I don't Is know that... if he's fine. Anytime I try to talk to him, he gets angry and plays the victim. If you were married in the Catholic Church, one of the commitments would be that he would welcome children openly. He went back on that promise, correct? By the time we got our marriage marriage validated, I was past childbearing years, so it was easy for him to say that he was open to children at that point. I see. Well, you might need some spiritual guidance regarding all this. I don't know, and I can't obviously comment on what you're hearing in therapy, um, but you've been there a long time. Um, typically, when somebody like you comes to counseling with me and they don't, and they have a spouse who doesn't want to take part, I do everything I can to get them to live within that situation if they're a religious person who doesn't want to leave it uh, at more peace to not be so distressed and bothered by what their spouse does okay Uh, they just continue to live in upset over behaviors that they've seen for many many years and uh, the behavior hasn't lost its power to upset you which it should have lost a lot of power to upset you the 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 nasty remarks or the lack of communication or the emotional ups and downs, you've been living with it for so long, why does it still have the same power to upset you? Good question. Well, that's usually an angle that I take when somebody comes to me, uh, and it's not unusual for one person to come. I can't get my spouse to come in. I don't want to leave the marriage, so what do I do? And so we have to work in helping that person not be so distressed over the same stuff that has been happening for 15, 20, 25 years. Still distressed, still bothers them. 
snarky remark bothers him every bit as much as it did 15 years ago. So, just a few thoughts. I can't I can't give you a whole lot because, in fact, my dear, you are seeing a therapist, and that's one of the rules of this program. If you're seeing somebody, I cannot step in and offer a, even just a thought or two because you're already under professional care. But I do thank you for the call and, and thank you, maybe, Dr. maybe get some spiritual guidance to see what's going on. All righty. Okay, thank you. So much of situations like that is that there is a heavy component of now let, let let's assume there's not overt pathology. And then she didn't mention anything like that. She didn't say there's gambling. She didn't say there's pornography. She didn't say there's adulterous relationship. She didn't, she didn't say there's physical abuse now. It's just miserable. She just doesn't like his personality. He's unpleasant. He's hard to get along with. Whatever it is about their conditions are extremely unpleasant. What we tend to do in a situation like that, we exaggerate, and I don't use that in a bad way, are upset because we feel we don't deserve that. I don't, I, what, what, what is this? This person's acting like this towards me? I, don't, I didn't do anything to, to warrant this kind of treatment. And so we take that ugliness from the other person personally. And that greatly increases our upset greatly when we feel we are being personally assaulted if you will we get very 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 upset rather than looking at the other person and saying those are his deficiencies those are his problems those are his nastiness but what we do is we take that and we absorb it. The remarks that he makes or he's been making for the last two decades still have the same welting power over us. Rather than thinking, well, let's see, if I was keeping track, that would be snarky remark number 4,263. What do I expect? Dr. Ray, wait a minute. It's the cumulative effect. Well, yeah, it can be if you absorb it the same way. It is a cumulative effect. But if you strip the person of all of that ability to make you feel crappy and bad and put down and demeaned and insulted and offended, all the ways that these things happen... If you lessened that impact, then to the degree that you can do this, you have reduced dramatically their power to distress your life. I'm not saying it's a pleasant environment, and I'm certainly not saying you like living in it. What I'm saying is to be miserable endlessly with the same kind of stuff that's been happening endlessly, you have to look at yourself and say, okay, what can I do to reduce 
the emotional hit of what this person is saying or doing. What can I do? Now, many people will say, that's ridiculous. It's natural to feel that way. If somebody treats you mean, you're going to be hurt. You're going to be upset. Well, that is how most people react. But they still don't allow themselves the power to at least reduce the emotional impact of those remarks or those treatments. 877-573-7825, 877-57-EQUAL. Bottom of the show is usually when people also call in. Remember, you call in anytime, equal chance of getting on. Sixty on ten with Monsignor Charles Pope. The Eighth Commandment: You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. At one level, the reputation a person has is one of their most precious gifts, and to intentionally harm the good reputation of someone is a very grave matter. We can do this often through detraction by disclosing others' faults without a valid reason, or calumny, just outright lying about other people. Likewise, through rash judgment. This commandment also protects the truth, which is another very, very great good. To lie is to speak something that we know is false with the intention of deceiving others. We ought to be dedicated to the truth. It is the truth that sets people free, while errors and lies entrap people in many difficult and often sinful situations. The Lord asks us to give witness to the truth of the gospel. This commandment, therefore, asks us to stay dedicated to the truth and to other people's reputation. The Eighth Commandment, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. For more about the Ten Commandments, visit EWTNRC.com. Why is the calling on the name of Jesus so powerful? According to the Catholic Catechism, to pray Jesus is to invoke him and to call him within us. We are welcoming the Son of God who loved us and gave himself up for us. A simple invocation developed through tradition in both East and West and transmitted by the spiritual writers of the Sinai, Syria, and Mount Athos is, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on us sinners. Through this prayer, the human heart is open to human wretchedness and the Savior's mercy. Invoking the holy name of Jesus is the simplest way of praying always. If the heart is humbly attentive, the prayer is not lost by heaping up empty phrases. It holds fast to the word and brings forth fruit with patience. The prayer of the church also honors the heart of Jesus and the way of the cross, which we call making the stations. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. Thanks for joining me. Dr. Ray Garendi here. Expanding your super ego while shrinking your id. Freudian lingo. My producer man is Andrew Kruchek. He is there in Ann Arbor, Ave Maria Radio. And, of course, my good friends, Jack Williams and Tom Price and all of those folks over there at EWTN who, in fact... Make this show run from that direction. Got to thank them all. Sheila was in a similar situation. Actually, still in the situation. 
she thought she was holding on by her fingernails and uh, now that uh, the reason she was holding on by her fingernails is no longer there she's not sure what to do hi sheila hi thank you i enjoyed listening to you all the time Dang. Uh, all the t- I don't even enjoy listening to me all the time, but thanks anyway. Well, I do because you have the wisdom I need. <laughs> <laughs> um, you teach me a lot of things, but here's why I'm calling. I've been married 52 years. I was married when my husband was 17 and I was 18. We were expecting a child. We have four children. They were very spa- two, the last two are very spaced out. I've left him a couple times. I went to nursing school so that I can make enough money so I can support my children. Then I get pregnant again. (laughs) So it's my husband doesn't know how to love um, the way I want to be loved and respected. And... Well, it may not be, Sheila, it may not be that he doesn't know how. It may be that he doesn't want to. That could be it. He had a very difficult childhood. It was a lot of, um, his mother didn't, just, she was just, she had issues. And his father had issues. So you got married, you got married under under, um, certain circumstances. And what you found is that over the 52 years, you really didn't grow up together like you thought you would no and it hasn't been like that um he puts himself first and i wanted to go to counseling for 40 years and he says he's happy so i heard the woman say that and i go oh my gosh yes <laughs> so what do you want to do now sheila it's been 52 years i you're gonna... don't know i pray i you're going to walk out a... i have no money I have no place to go. So you're by logistics. You're by logistics. You, whether you want to or not, you will stay in this marriage. Uh, it is. It is for my own. Um, you know, my hierarchy of needs. Like my needs have got to be met: shelter and food and clothing. So, okay. I want to love him. I. He's. He's a very unhappy person. He drinks too much. He gets vulgar, and I ask him to stop. He says very vulgar words, and he calls me names, but he's gotten a lot better because I used to just get up and leave and go to adoration or just go out somewhere and not bring my Okay, Sheila, what we got to do in our very brief time here together is to make you less vulnerable to these things that make you feel unloved. My guess would be that you're confusing two words. You're confusing unloved with unlovable. In other words, why am I getting treated this way? Oh, my gosh. Well, you're getting treated this way because that's what he's doing. Oh, my gosh. You're going to make me cry. That unlovable is my word. But I try to teach other people that you are lovable. Well, obviously, God loves you. So I would suspect, and I hear this from a lot of people, because you said you go to adoration. I hear this from a lot of very faith-filled people, 
that you find your peace and your joy in getting closer to our Lord. And so yeah. that the things that your husband does, recognizing, and this is the irony, Sheila, you, you probably didn't realize you said this. He's probably more miserable than you are. You're miserable because he doesn't give much to the marriage as you see it. He's miserable because he has to live with himself. I agree. So maybe after 52 years, it's time for you to quit feeling so emotionally downtrodden and say to yourself, I'm going to find ways... To enjoy life, I'm going to find ways to get closer to the Lord. I'm going to find ways to volunteer at church. I'm going to find activities, and I'm going to make sure that I can enjoy my existence, even though I don't get from my husband what I would like to get. That's what you got to decide. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I All know. Right. You're right. Thank you. You're welcome, honey. Good luck to you now. I'll talk to you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Alyssa from Seattle, where, which is interesting because uh, she's asking about being all upset over raising these three kids on her own, which probably would make sense. Hi, Alyssa. Hi, Dr. Ray. I have loved your show for so long, and I'm calling for some advice. I'm in a a little bit of a unique domestic situation. We're faithful Catholics, married in the church. My husband um, has schizophrenia. And he left our family four years ago and is now homeless, living on the streets. We don't have any contact with him. We're civilly divorced, but still sacramentally married. I have three children, 10, 8, and 5, and being on my own with them for the last four years and supporting them with no help has taken its toll. And I find myself losing my temper and becoming almost irrationally angry with them. And I need advice and help on, you know, ways that I can be a better mom and not let our situation um, take it, um, bear down on them because it's not their fault. I have two with ADHD, um, and they're just wonderful kids, but they're also very high strung and they don't have a father, um, in their life. And, uh, I don't have other male role models for them that are, um, in our life regularly. My, my dad is involved, but he has dementia. And anyway, it's a long story, but I am doing the best I can. We go to mass every Sunday. We're involved in our parish. I have in the private Catholic school, but I, I need help controlling myself. What advice do you have? I will get moms who will come into my office pretty much painting the same picture you just did. And typically, as we dig down into the source of their frustration, we find that it's heavily related to discipline. They don't feel like they have good discipline control, so they get very frustrated. They get very angry. They try to get cooperation through negotiation or nagging or yelling, or they try to invoke consequences and the kids fight them. So every day becomes an unpredictable, how's it going to go down today? That's a heck of a way to live. Now, am I, am I off on your situation no, there? No, cer- certainly not. No, you're, All right. you're spot on. Stay right there. And when we come back, I'll give you a few thoughts here. Don't leave me.
Colossians chapter 1, verse 10. Live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. Knowledge by acquaintance is what St. Paul's talking here. We need to increase our acquaintance of God. What can we do to increase our knowledge of God? Well, study scripture, pray fast. But here's the obvious question. Are you increasing in the knowledge of God? Or are you simply kind of staying stable? You're living off past encounters. When we speak of increasing our knowledge of God, as I said, you can read all the books you want about God and you'll have lots of information, but it doesn't mean that you'll necessarily become acquainted with him. We need to know God by acquaintance. And that's what lies at the heart of all true religion. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. Could a strong heart be connected to strong thigh muscles? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. According to a study out of the European Society of Cardiology in Prague, some of my people, the answer is yes. June is the month of the Sacred Heart, so let's focus on the heart for just 60 seconds. According to this study, those having strong quadricep muscles, you know, the front thigh muscles, are less likely to develop heart failure after a heart attack. Observed high strength in thigh muscles indicated a 41% reduced risk of heart failure. How do we strengthen our quads? Well, like any muscles, we lift weights. We can do body weight squats or lunges or use a leg press at a gym. That's the machine with a large plate connected to weights that you press with your feet. Add some quad exercises to your workout routine. Your heart may thank you. Check out the Journey Strong tab for more on this study at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. Getting more calls from girls in a single hour than I did. All of high school, all of college, and pretty much all of grad school. However, it's the same. They love me for my mind. Like the girls in college. Would you do my science homework for me, Ray? Alyssa from Seattle has three children, all pretty much in prime childhood. Alyssa, what's her age again? Um, Ten, eight, and five. Yeah, that's pretty prime childhood. Um, and Alyssa says, you know, I, I get frustrated. My my husband four years ago had a, a serious exacerbation diagnosed with schizophrenia, is now on the streets. We don't hear from him, don't see from him. He's completely absentee father, and I'm doing all this on my own, trying to make this family run. And I don't like what I'm becoming. I'm becoming a lunatic. And I'm tired of going to confession. Bless me, Father. I used to be a nice person, used to be a pretty nice person. Now I'm not pretty or nice. Okay. Good news, bad news, Alyssa. Okay. The good news is you have enormous ability, enormous ability to take control of the situation. My guess would be, if you were sitting in my office, that you and I would talk and we'd find all kinds of things you're doing that are making your life more difficult. All kinds of things. You're talking too much. You're not following through. You're screaming. You're arguing. You're negotiating. You're nagging. 
etc., etc., etc. You're re-reminding, re-re-re-re-re-re-re-reminding, and all of this is your kids are kind of blowing you off. Some of them are probably even defiant. The 10-year-old is probably defiant. So, given all that, the good news is you can change all that, dramatically so. The bad news is um, your kids are going to have to get used to the idea that uh, this woman here has had an alien take over her body because this is not the mom we've gotten used to. Gotten used to a certain type of dynamic here with this woman. We push on her, and she gets upset, and then she yells, and we get upset, and then she feels terrible, and then et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And she feels like a total failure as a mother. So, two things. I'm going to give you a quick technique, and then I'm going to refer you to my book, Discipline That Lasts a Lifetime. I've had many people tell me, many single moms tell me, that that book really put them back in charge in their house. It's called Discipline That Lasts a Lifetime. Quickest way to get it is my website. It's signed and it's there. It's a hundred and some of the most common discipline questions I get asked. All right. Now, let's go to the technique here, Alyssa. If you were to say to the five, the eight, the ten-year-old, wow, I asked you once, you ignored me, told you to leave your brother alone, you didn't. Go stand in the corner, please. Would they? I I I always win that battle, but it's always a battle. Yeah. Then it's not I'm, a battle. Then really you don't win. Then but Alyssa, I don't, yeah, I you don't, don't win. Yeah. If it's a battle, you don't win. Yeah. It's ugly. It gets yeah. nasty. You don't like what you become, and the kids realize I can push on her and drive her crazy. No. Yeah. So the question is, if you said it once. Would they turn, go, stay, and then come out when you told them to? No. All right. So you have no authority. That's why you're so frustrated. You're trying to figure out how to get authority, but they'll, they'll resist you. Okay, here's the rule. Now, you can use whatever consequences you want. You can use the corner. You can use sitting on the steps. You can use uh, writing 50 sentences, whatever you want. But you go with the say it once rule. I say it once. The second time, there's a consequence. You say the consequence, and at that point, my guess would be all three of your children would resist. You do not say it a second time. You simply say, until you do it, you're on blackout. Blackout is complete cessation of all perks, all privileges, all freedoms, until you get the consequence you wanted. So, example, that little five-year-old. Well, if it's a he or she, they, they've lost all their um, stuffed animals. They're gone. And they ain't go to a corner yet. They can't go outside. There's no dessert. Their favorite cup is gone. Their favorite shirt is gone. The toys are gone. They can't do a puzzle. Until, until you get that corner time or whatever it is that you said... All that stuff stops. You're going to show the kids, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not going to fight with you. I'm not going to yell at you. I mean what I say. The 10-year-old, you're going to give me 50 sentences. I will treat my brother with respect. Now, at that point, the 10-year-old looks at you like, who are you talking to? And you look at the 10-year-old and say, well, 
until I get those sentences, which are now more because you didn't do it when I asked you the first time, uh, you're on blackout. Shut down everything. everything. You control everything. You control what kind of food you put on the table. You control all transportation. You control money supply. You could tell your 10-year-old, you have to pack your lunch for school because I'm not giving you money for lunch until I get my sentences. Alyssa, you don't realize the leverage you have to keep you from becoming a crazy person. I guarantee you, if you get that kind of authority, everything will settle down. Your children will become much happier. They'll be much more loving. They'll be much more pleasant. People think, oh, no, oh, this is great. Alyssa's going to just come down with the hammer, and she's going to make these kids stifled. No, it's the exact opposite. What's happening now is ugly. This other one is, I I don't want to fight with you. Here's what I'm going to do. And typically, the kids are not stupid. They're not going to keep bringing this on themselves. After about a week, they're going to say, okay, okay, corner, good enough. Can you do it? I think the challenge is just controlling myself because I do, I do, I do make sentences. I do send a corner. I do take away privileges. But when they argue is when what, what, I, I see, have a then, hard time controlling Okay, my wait a minute. Words. That's my point. You don't have that authority. You say, I do this, but they fight me. Right. So in other words, the consequences are not simple. The consequences lead to a battle. Yeah. That's when you get frustrated. No, you're not going to battle. You're simply going to say, I'm going to shut you down. I'm not fighting you anymore. You need to do those sentences. Now get over there. I, how many times am I going to tell you? I might, you? Listen, listen, I mean what I say. Now, I've about had enough of you today. You know that? You're going to go to bed early tonight. Once I get those sentences, you see what happens? Oh, that's ugly. Yeah. That's yeah. just ugly. Just, here's what I asked you. Here's what I'm going to do. You're not going to get upset. You'd be quiet. But get that book. It talks about it. All right. Thanks, Alyssa. This is Dr. Ray. Hi, I'm Al Cresta. Our generation is the first in human history to widely reject that life has any overarching purpose. Morality is considered relative, and we're even uncertain about what it means to be a man or a woman. Catholics at this time need to be awake, not woke. Sit down with Renewal Ministries' Peter Herbeck and I for an extended conversation with Noel Maring author of Awake, Not Woke. It's available on the Renewal Ministries YouTube page or in the slider at AveMariaRadio.net. Underwritten in part by the following nonprofit. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things you don't believe in? There are options. You can join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based health sharing community. Plus, Solidarity HealthShare can save you money with prices starting as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-398-9399. That's 844-398-9399. Brought to you by the nonprofit Seton Home Study. Hi, everybody. Dr. Ray Garendi here. You thinking about homeschooling? Seton Homeschooling. 40 years of experience. 17,000 current students. Pre-K through high school. They provide the books, the lesson plans, the counselors, the grading services, the tests. That's right. Pretty much everything. My wife and I use Seton. Some of our children. Tell you this. Two of them got perfect ACT scores in verbal. And overall, the Seton students scored more than 100 points above average on the SAT. 
over 30% higher on English and reading on the ACT. It's a rigorous program. You want to give the very best to your kids? Trust me on this one. Go with Seton. It is a beautifully rigorous academic program. Go to seatonhome.org. That is seatonhome.org. Well, I got a call here where I am definitely going to get myself in some trouble. But I do have some backup on this. St. John Paul II. Margaret says, same situation as the earlier callers. Very distressing marriage, unhappy, unfulfilling. And then, of course, intimacy suffers. That's very common, not unusual. People sitting in my office saying we haven't been intimate for three years. We haven't. We don't even think about it anymore, et cetera, et cetera. Typically, it's the husband who still wants some intimacy, and the wife says, no, there's no way. I'm not in any kind of emotional shape for that. I don't feel any kind of connection with you. It's not going to happen. Margaret, is that where you're at? Well, that's where we were at particularly when my husband told me that he was pretty much through with their marriage. I needed to just be happy. He showed up every night. Um, but uh, I, it was horrible because you feel so, all the guilt that you feel, I mean, it was, it was bad. Wait, wait, wait. So why I do you feel guilt? Why, why do you feel guilt? Well, guilt because at, when he told me that, I said, well, you can forget. I'm not, I'm not having intercourse with you anymore. You have told me you no longer love me. You will not work on our relationship, on our marriage. You, are, you essentially want out, but you're not going to leave. I, so that's what I said. Okay. And then that, I, was, I felt very guilty about that. Um, and gradually, I, I, I just, I reached out. I was getting counseling at that time, and I was, I got to a point where I was able to say, um, I will be intimate with you this many of times a month or something like that. It was like a business arrangement, I'm embarrassed to say, but that was the old, that, that way I could handle it as opposed to him suddenly being, you know, this night and day light switch on and off um, and acting like I was suddenly God's gift to the world because he wanted to have intercourse. So that worked for a while, but it, he just kept getting angrier and angrier. And But I got to that point where you were talking about with the earlier caller where I was able to... Um, put a buffer or a wall it, it didn't it didn't hurt me as much the things that he said and did I was able to maintain a better perspective I did a better job with our kids who were still at home at the time um, and then uh, so I agree with you that you had to find other you had to distance yourself but in that distancing then that made intimacy all the more difficult your situation's so got a little twist to it from previous callers. Previous callers have said uh, the marriage is miserable because this person doesn't 
want to try very hard, etc. Your marriage is your husband came and said, I essentially don't want to be your husband. I don't want to be married. I'm going to live here because, well, it's a nice logistical place to live and it's a lot cheaper than any place else. But for the most part, you just be grateful that I show up. I mean, that's that's a little bit different. That's essentially a total pulling away from anything. Now, if you say there are many women out there who would not at all do it this way, but you did. You say, okay, I will I will still do some wifely things for you, even though there is no connection on your part whatsoever. It's just raw physical. Um that's uh, rather heroic, uh, if you want to look at it that way. Um in your opinion, does that uh does that make anything better in your marriage? I don't know that it made the marriage any better because probably about three years ago when our last child left home, then my husband had like a kind of an about face. He he tried to reestablish a relationship with our kids. He tried to do better. He did go to counseling with them. Um, but for me, he, he just said, you know, that's the way it was. Uh, I, I wish it hadn't happened, but it's in the past. Um so everything should be good now. And so he's saying, I want to try? Uh, he's saying that he wants to try. And for for myself, I'm glad that I did did do that because he's. I've always believed all the horrible things that he said to me about what kind of a person I was. Well, when you give somebody that kind of power over you, you're 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 at their mercy, because anybody can say anything well, at all about you. That comment that you made about the lovable and unlovable—that's you know—that's what he said to me. You, you want me to love you? Then you need to change. You need to. Mm. Um, it was, but. Well, I'm not going to love you. I'm not going to love you unconditionally. I'm going to love you under certain circumstances that I put in place. Uh, I think I I would have hoped you would have recognized that's ridiculous, but you didn't. Well, took you took you a while. Well, actually, I felt that I had to make a decision when he said, "You know, I'm done." This because our kids were pretty young still, and he also told me that if I left, that he would not not come looking for us there was some it was a comment like that and so i had to decide i thought what will be better to be here with my kids as a buffer and try and make the best of this situation or to get a divorce um and then if he is a part of their lives i have no control over. well let's not second guess yourself and let's recognize that if he's got some sliver of motive to make it better you could take advantage of that And what you sound like you're saying is, even though it was just nothing but physical in this marriage, somehow that kept some kind of connection there. And for whatever the reason, he came around somewhat. This is Dr. Ray. Thanks for joining me so much. I appreciate it. Walk with God. That's the one walk that will not. For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook.
The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. 